you have your Bibles, if you would, uh, open with me to Psalm chapter 90. And we are going to pick up right there at our scripture memory for the month of March in Psalm 90 verse 12. And uh, you've probably noticed at this point that you do not have an outline this morning. Our fourth floor office space is being relocated temporarily as we continue with some renovations. And so our printing services are a little bit uh, short right now. And I was not able to get my outline done in time. So I'll put it on me. And so you can write this on any place that you can find it. We also have been blessed with phones. So you can take your notes in your phone. And I will not think that you're watching Sports Center or whatnot as um, the service goes on. But if you would, this morning, why don't we stand together and let's read, I'm going to read for us Psalm chapter 90, the full Psalm chapter 90. And so let's stand together as it is read. And you can follow along right there in your Bible. You can turn on your Bible and scroll to Psalm chapter 90, or you can just open it up and let me read it for you. And let these words, all of these words, um, take us specifically to Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. We look at it in all the context. So as I read it, just Let your heart listen and to um, hear what the Lord would say to us through the servant Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O child of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and it withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger and by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring your years, our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, Establish the work of our hands. You can be seated. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Lord, we ask now as we open your word and as we receive those things that we have read, that you would indeed teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. The first thing that we want to look at is numbering our days, what it does for us, why we number our days. And the first thing that we see, if you are taking notes there, you can just say numbering our days for the purpose of growing a heart of wisdom. Now, if we were to simply number our days without achieving a heart of wisdom, we have missed the whole swath of what this scripture is teaching us. If we were to walk out of here and just say, man, I've got a number to my days. I've got to live every day like it's my last. Well, that's just simply not practical. 
Tomorrow, if March the 7th was your last day on this earth, what would you do? Would you go to work? This is uh, maybe a non-rhetorical type question. If tomorrow was your last day on this earth, what would you do? What would you do different if tomorrow was your last day on earth? I would think that many of you may, may say, well, bump work. Tomorrow is my last day of life, so I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go visit the lands. I'm going to go drive around. I'm going to go fly out somewhere. I'm going to go live it up, right? right? I'm going I'm to write a bunch of checks that I know uh, I'm not going to have to worry about cashing, right? Maybe you're going to invite all your friends over and throw a big party and eat the best meal you can find. I'm, I know if tomorrow is my last day, I'm bringing my father-in-law in and he's cooking chicken parmesan and I'm going to eat it for probably three meals. I'm going to get a nice pound cake and drink glass Cokes all day long, right? What would your last day on this earth look like? If scripture was teaching us live every day like it's the last day on earth, that's simply not practical for us. We can't live every day like it's our last day because that would mean forsaking work, life, so many responsibilities. We can't simply just stop doing all those things because we have a number to our days. We are called to continue living this life. And so scripture does not teach us to simply number our days. You see, teach us to number our days so that we have a heart of wisdom. Scripture would teach us to teach us our number our days so that we would achieve, so that we would have a heartbeat of wisdom. And you look all through the scripture and you see that the proper orientation of us who are seeking after a heart of wisdom. You see, Moses writing this psalm would say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses Writing, you have been, Lord, our dwelling place before the mountains were brought forth or ever you formed the earth or the world from everlasting to everlasting. The very first understanding that we have is who we are in relationship to who God is. Right, that as we look out amongst the clouds, as we look at the beauty of the mountaintops, and as we look at all of creation, as Romans chapter 1 would testify to, as we see creation, it testifies to a creator. And as we look at the vast expanses, as we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs, as we see the stars and the galaxy and everything holding together, as we stop for just a simple moment and look out and ponder at all that this world has in front of us, it should point us to the reality that there is a creator God. From everlasting to everlasting, that his, a, a day in the life of God is like a thousand years in our sight. As we recognize, first and foremost, that we're coming after a heartbeat of wisdom. Not a morbid sense of reality. Not that we're leaving here sad to say we have a number to our days. This brings a lot of sadness in our heart. But to have a heartbeat of wisdom would allow us to look with realism about our days. It's a reality that at many a funeral is the time that most people are looking at their own reality. I mean... Moses even writes in verse 11, who considers the power of your anger? Who thinks like this? Who, who ponders your wrath according to the fear of you? I mean, who's thinking about this stuff? In the life of the believer, we are. We recognize that there is a number to our days and we are asking, Lord, don't just let us number our days, but let us look for a heartbeat of wisdom. It's why on the front of our ABC tracks for evangelism, we ask the question, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? What would happen today if you died? 
If today was your last day on this earth, where would you spend an eternity? Wise people recognize and consider that they are here for but a brief moment. So numbering our days, one, first and foremost, the supposition is that we would understand that we would have a heartbeat of wisdom. That we're not just asking, Lord, let me know that I have a number to my days. That we are asking that I would have a heartbeat of wisdom. And secondly, we number our days. It's a recognition of the brevity of life. When we recognize that there is a number to our days, we recognize that there is brevity to our life. In the book of James, James chapter 4, 13 and 14, it says, Come now, you who would say, today or tomorrow, we will go in such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. We use this little water bottle in the mornings to, when our kids have bed head and need to spray it down a little bit and get their hair all tangled up. And I was just thinking as we were brushing their hair this morning that this is what the scripture attributes our life to. Just a mist and gone. Scripturally, this is what our life is like. Just a simple mist that as quickly as you saw it, it is gone. When you think about it in terms of what our life is, the shortness, the brevity by which we have life, friends, it puts so many things in context and perspective. As you begin to think the the 3,000 days until Micah begins to drive and 640 weeks until Helen Ann goes to college, the brevity by which we have life Life, it gives us a heartbeat of wisdom. And for many, this right here gives a, an anxiety-filled dread. As you begin to recognize your life is but a mist and a vapor, for many who do not know the Lord, there is an anxiety-induced dread. Think what happens to all these things that I've gone after? What happens to all these things that I've held value to? Is they just simply fly and flutter away. But in the life of the believer, recognizing that our time here on earth is but a brief moment. It's not an anxiety-inducing dread. It is a hope-filled anticipation. That we have hope-filled anticipation that this is not the end. As you see in Scripture here, he says, the iniquities, the the difficulty, the, the hardships that we have faced are but a mist and but a vapor in the grand scheme of eternity. And so we can recognize that even though life is but a mist and but a vapor, we have a finite amount of days. And friends, some of us in this room have a very few amount of days and some of us have a lot of days and we don't know. But at the end of the day, we are but a mist and but a vapor. We also recognize that numbering our days is not a natural inclination for us. I doubt many of us woke up today and say, Lord, teach me to number my days. I want to know how many days I've got left so I can be wise in how I live them. This is at times a a morbid reality to think through that one day I will die. But I'm so thankful for Moses' words. Do Do you feel Moses as he says, Lord, teach me to number my days. We've just come out of our February scripture memory verse where we say, if any of you lacks wisdom, we've talked about the reality of I need more of this. Do you see the humility in Moses to say, Lord, teach me. I need to know. Lord, teach me to number my days. Over and over, you see in Scripture, the chief hallmark of the believer is humility. To come into the day and say, Lord, thank you for the breath in my lungs that I've got today. But Lord, teach me to number my days so that I have a heartbeat of wisdom. 
grown up in a, a family of coaches and I've loved sports my whole life. And to listen to coaches talk about the recruitment process and bringing on new scholar athletes. One of the things that the coaches always say is that they're looking for talent, but they're also looking for what? A coachable spirit. Coaches are always looking for those guys and girls that they know they're going to come into the program and recognize that they have not yet achieved it. And they have a coachable spirit to say they're willing to learn and to grow and to understand that there's more that they need to be taught. Same way as we come to Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. We recognize, Lord, teach me. Teach my heart to recognize that I need to know the number of my days. Teach my heart. Teach me to recognize the value in every day that I've been given. Psalm 39, verse 4 and 7 tells us, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Over and over we see to teach us to number our days is not natural, but it gives us a heartbeat of wisdom. Number four, we'll spend a, a few more moments here. Number our days to make the best use of our time. There's four areas I want us to look at. Where do we make the best use of our time? If we recognize, Lord, teach me to number my days so that I can have a heartbeat of wisdom. Where do we need wisdom to walk in this world? First, we need wisdom in the discipline and direction personally. If I'm going to make the best use of my days, if I need a heartbeat of wisdom, then I'm going to need uh, to teach me to number my days to make the best use of my time personally in discipline and direction. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 17 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So I need to make the best use of the time in my personal disciplines and my understanding of what the will of the Lord is. I've been always surprised to hear that statistics show that the vast majority of those who win the lottery within a certain amount of time end up broke. The vast majority of those who go to the NFL and NBA over a certain amount of time, even though they have made millions upon millions of dollars in their careers, broke. As I look at that, I think, guys, how could you? You're making millions upon millions of dollars, yet you end your career, you end your life completely broke. Lottery winners, how do you do it? You make millions upon millions of dollars, yet you, after a couple years, are completely broke. And you look at that and you think, how dumb could you be? You're, you're wasting all this money. And as they report back, they say, I, I had all this money and I thought it could never come to an end. And you look at all this resource and all this money, and it would be easy to say, how dumb could you be lottery winners and NBA players? But how often do I treat my time in the same way? As a 34-year-old guy, there's oftentimes I think, I've got so much time. Look at all that. I've got ample amounts of time. I've got so much time. I've got many years until I'm 70 or 80. I've got all this time. But so many people come to the end of their life, and they're so empty and they look back and look at all the time that they had all this time and in the same way as a lottery winner ends up broke or an NBA player ends up broke they look back and say where did all this money go where did I spend it what happened to all of it I just frittered it away and in the same way friends we can look at the time that we have been given and in sometimes it looks like we've got a lot of time and we can use it however we want 
But when we come to the end of our life and we look back, will we say, Lord, thank you that I made the best use of every day that you gave me, that I poured into people, that I loved people, that I cared for people, that I advanced the kingdom forward. Or will you look at your life and will you say, Lord, what happened? Where did all of it go? Why didn't I... Where did all this stuff, what, what happened to all this time and energy that I spent to all these things and here I am and it's but a mist and it's gone. First and foremost, we make the best use of the time recognizing that we have a brevity of time and so every decision, every day, friends, every day that you live is an opportunity to say, Lord, what is important? What is valuable? And how is my discipline and my direction going to be in line with the Lord's will for my life? How will, how will I take every day the next right step of obedience in my life? To make the next best decision for me and my family every day as we follow Jesus. We make the best use of the time, number two, in discipling the next generation. Friends, if we recognize that we have a brevity of our time, if we recognize that we have a number to our days, we must be pouring into the next generation. Uh, silly analogy of uh, Micah being 3,386 days until he begins to drive uh, really got me thinking. It got me thinking about as I am a dad driving around with Micah in the back seat of the car. It got me thinking about what I'm demonstrating to him. See, as a parent, you don't begin teaching your kids how to drive when they turn 15, right? As they're sitting in the back of your car, they're watching everything that you're doing. Man, it, it, it kind of shook me for a minute thinking about the times in which I have talked on the phone, I've texted as, man, I'm going to go to prison, uh, texted or <laughs> called or when there's been a football game on TV and so I put my phone up on the dash and I've listened to the game as I've <laughs> driven and I've thought about these things that I'm doing here as a five-year-old are ingraining onto Micah what it means to drive around in the car. I mean, sitting around at the dinner table, what I'm looking at, what I'm talking about, it's instilling in him, even at a five-year-old age, what he will be into the future. So we don't just start one day as 640 days down the road. I don't sit Helen Ann down and say, Helen Ann, this is all that you're going to need to know when you graduate and move on to college. No, it starts as a three-year-old pouring and investing into her. Teach me, Lord, to number my days that there's going to be a day that daddy is not there that I've got to be investing in. Do we recognize that those kids who are in our preschool ministry today will be the future leaders of tomorrow? That we will not always be around to teach and love and train and disciple. Those kids in the children's ministry will one day be the accountants and lawyers. They'll be the doctors and nurses. They'll be rocking babies in our future. And so how are we investing and training and loving on them? I'm thankful when I came to this church in eighth grade, I had men and women who invested and discipled me continually over many, many years. So Lord, teach me. Teach me as a dad. Teach me as a husband. Teach me as a, a believer of the gospel to number my days so that I will disciple and train the next generation to be ready and willing to follow Jesus. Friends, when we recognize the brevity of time that we've got, teach me to number my days that I would have a heart of Wisdom, not just to number my days, to walk around and wallow, say, why don't I have more time? But to say, Lord, how can I use this time wisely to train up the next generation of people who will follow and trust in Jesus? If we are not discipling and training and teaching the next generation of marriages, of families, 
of kids, of missionaries, of deacons, of doctors, nurses, or whatever it looks like. If we are not investing in the next generation, all this ends with us. So Lord, teach me to number my days that I would pour myself out for the next generation. The best use of the time also in sharing Jesus with the lost. We make the best use of the time and we recognize the number of our days so that we would invest in sharing Jesus with the lost. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. When we recognize the finality of our days, when we recognize the lostness that is around us, so Lord, number my days that my mouth would be seasoned with salt to share the love of Jesus with people around me. Not only does it help me number my days, but it recognizes that the people around me also have numbered days. And so the lost that are around me need, desperately need Jesus. The people who do not know Jesus, Lord, let it number their days, my days, so I can give them a heartbeat of wisdom so I can share Jesus with people. So we ask the Lord for a heart of wisdom that our Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And then lastly, we make the best use of the time by investing in eternity. When we come to the end, when our little mist and vapor is done, what have we invested in? Have we invested in the next generation? Have we invested in eternal things? Have we laid up our treasures in heaven? Or will we be left with a fear inducing anxiety about our end? Or will we, with joyful anticipation, say, Lord, this has been a good life. Thank you for the blessings of what you have given. I look forward to being in eternity with you. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may have, that we may achieve, that we may attain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Or daily, would you give me a heart of your wisdom? Lord, as I have a heart of wisdom, it affects every relationship, interaction, and decision that I make that I'm, I'm sowing into eternity. Lord, I don't want to waste away my days. I don't want to do things, Lord, that don't count eternally. I want to invest in people, Lord. I want, to, I want to further your kingdom here on earth, Lord. Lord, and as I have, as I have looked at my days and recognized the, the times and places in which I have not been a wise steward of one of the most precious resources you have given. Lord, I can lament the past, or Lord, I can... I can walk forward full of gracious, loving wisdom. And so, Lord, teach me. Lord, our hearts are open and receptive. Lord, we want to be taught by you. We want to walk forward, not in morbid reality, but in a trust of your will and your plan and your purpose and your way. So, Lord, we ask again, teach us to number our days that we may achieve and attain a heart of wisdom. In your name we pray, amen.